Hello, guys. Uh, welcome back to the show. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving break. And we'll dive right in as people uh, get joined up to the show to listen today. We've got a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. Um, but seeing as it was Thanksgiving, I want to start with something that I thought was incredible. This may be the best fact check of all time. I don't know that there's a fact check that has ever been done that matches up to this Thanksgiving fact check, okay? PETA put up this tweet that said, we're lucky turkeys would never do this to us and you don't have to do it to them either. And it's a picture of a bunch of turkeys praying at a Thanksgiving table. I'm glad to see that they're praying. That's good. Um, and it would be, I guess, them eating a human. That's what PETA posted. They said turkeys would never do this. The community note that was approved on it, and again, community notes have to be approved by people on both sides of the political spectrum, okay? It says, turkeys are not vegetarians. Turkeys eat mice, lizards, frogs, and just about anything they can fit in their mouth. If turkeys were larger or had the technological means to farm and eat humans, their current diet reveals that they likely would. <laughs> I don't know that there's a better community note than that. I think that may be one of the single best things I have seen on not just Twitter, but fact checks in general. I think that uh, community notes has done wonders for the fact checking community. Um, we've got some big news in Tennessee as well. We're going to get to in a minute with school choice. We'll be having a guest on from Americans for Prosperity here in Tennessee uh, who will tell us a little bit about that. We've got a lot of big news around these uh, pedophiles in the media. There's a number that have been exposed over the break, and we'll be getting into all that and asking the questions of why we're seeing this pattern in the media. There was a lot that got missed, though. If you were busy with family and everything like that, um, there was a horrific migrant uh, attack in Ireland where a migrant stabbed, including a five-year-old child. They stabbed a bunch of people. Um, and that resulted in rioting in Ireland because people were so upset over it. And, um, you know, so we'll be getting to all of that as we get deeper into the show. I did want to show you guys, you know, since it was Thanksgiving break, a little bit of my Thanksgiving break here. So this is me and two, two of our kids uh, with this little black dog here. That is not our dog. This is a dog that showed up to our house. Um, over the over that break and when it showed up it stayed with us for a few days until um the owner finally was able to track him down at at our house we put up signs and stuff and after that pretty quickly after they called um this dog had the best time at our house and honestly it was just a great reminder of how special pets are because we have our own we've got you know uh three dogs we've got great danes and what i call a boston terrorist and we've got a couple of cats that are rescues and we've got countless chickens, uh, bunny. We're about to have cows. Um, you know, so we've we've got a full house. But this dog just came out of nowhere, and the way it just integrated into the pack in our family and was so sweet, it was a good reminder of how special pets are and what we really should be thankful for, which is our families, our time with our animals, our time as a unit. And, you know, it was really special. Our whole family fell in love with this dog. Um, I got a text from one of my neighbors yesterday actually saying, hey, um, are you missing a dog? I said, no. He says, oh, there's this black dog who uh, has been in your front yard all morning. I wasn't here yesterday. I, don't, I can't say 
with 100% certainty it was him. But I'm pretty sure he may have run away to come back to see us and then gone back home. Um, we'll see. We'll find out if that may be the case. He may have fallen in love with our family, too, and may be making some visits. So it turns out he lives pretty close, um, so he could make that visit. Um, but that was that was a really great part of Thanksgiving for us was um, that dog being around. And then another part of it that was really cool is my son made this. He made a thing called Thanksgiving Bingo. Um, and it's so cool. He's great with design stuff. So he's 10 years old. He made this himself. We played that. It was a lot of fun. Um, and he made us like these Thanksgiving appreciation sheets that, um, I can't recommend enough. It was great to write down, you know, all the things you're thankful for and all the things you want to do to bring gratitude to, to others and, and stuff. So it's, it's a great time of year. Um, everybody who knows me knows the holidays of Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like this time period is my favorite time period. I've had our Christmas tree up now for like a month already. I'm one of those crazy people that around October 30th, it was up. Our Christmas decorations are up. It just makes me happy. I mean, I'll probably keep our Christmas stuff out until like July. So I'm one of those people. It's a very Cuban thing. Cubans love Christmas. Um, and, you know, I can't wait for Christmas to be here. Um, our kids absolutely love it. Another fun part of Thanksgiving, I'll show you guys. This is what our daughter did to our poor bunny. Um, the bunny actually may not seem happy in this picture, but he actually tolerates this pretty well. And not only tolerates it, but um, he likes dress-up time with her because he gets a lot of bananas and he's a big fan of bananas, um, which is really funny. <laughs> you watch this little guy eat bananas, pretty funny. All right, now for the more serious news. Um, this is a story that's just breaking now, uh, written by Dale Cameron, and it is about, um, I'll read the headline to you, a civil rights firestorm erupts around a looming surveillance power grab. Dozens of advocacy groups are pressuring U.S. Congress to abandon plans to ramp through a renewal of a controversial surveillance program that they say poses a, quote, alarming threat to civil rights. This is the Section 702 of the FISA Act. Um, so this, this is what does the FISA authorizations, essentially, which allows the U.S. government, namely the U.S. National Security Agency, to surveil the communications of foreign citizens believed to be overseas. That line right there is what gets a lot of people to support this. However, the next line is where you get into where this is kind of shady. Oftentimes, these communications, quote, incidentally involve Americans whom the government is forbidden from directly targeting. This has been abused. I think many people would agree. I know members of Congress who would agree with this. Has been abused to a degree that is quite dystopian. It's been used in such a way where they will target a foreign target just because they know that they are involved with a certain American that they would like to be able to spy on, and this is a legal route to do it. It's sort of like you're jumping to this third party so that you can spy on that American, okay? And this happened to the Trump campaign, actually. So um, I don't know if you remember the FISA drama. This happened when Trump was president, but it was very clear that the deep state was using this to be able to spy on American citizens. And given everything else we know about what the federal government has been willing to do, um, I think it's important that we all stand against this because these interceptions and um, this type of spying, I think, I think everybody should be able to agree should not happen. You know, I think an interesting note to this is that you've got people on the left and right agreed on this. So FreedomWorks, very conservative slash libertarian nonprofit. Rand Paul is a big uh, person behind FreedomWorks. 
um, and the ACLU, who's very far left, both agree on this. Okay, um, when you can get both of them to agree on something, that's pretty rare. And they're agreeing on it because you know this this is such a dystopian use of government authority that I think both sides see it as, oh, this could be used against our people very easily. And everybody should be afraid of that, not because anybody's doing anything wrong. I think that's one of the one of the most dystopian things after 9-11 was this idea that you could trade your privacy for security uh, because you hadn't done anything wrong. So it'd be like, I have nothing, I have nothing to hide, so why would I be afraid of this? Well, you know, there are a number of reasons you should be afraid of it because what you think is you doing nothing wrong, like let's say a parent standing up against a school board that they feel is acting far beyond the ways they should be acting, you know, for instance, those ones that are allowing porn in schools and shutting down parents' microphones and things like that. Well, the government may decide that you pose a terroristic threat because of that. Oh, you know, like the recent DOJ was actually classifying parents in the same category as domestic terrorists, that sort of thing, okay? And you could have that hop, skip, and a jump to a third party where they can then spy on that parent. I mean, it goes so many different dark directions. I think it's very clear. We want to limit the ability for our government to spy ever on American citizens. It should not happen, okay? Um, and unfortunately, you know, again, this is also something that's a great example of when you give government a power, they will abuse it. And so you have to be very careful what power you give your government. Just look at TSA, okay? After 9-11, the idea of TSA was sold as you trading a little bit of inconvenience for security, okay? Let me ask you a question. Has it ever made sense to shake down 90-year-old women, four-year-old children? When was there a terror attack where, where those were routes of terrorism? I get so angry at the airport when I see them, you know, doing hand searches on little kids or on old ladies. There is no reason for it at all. No reason. But it's the same sort of mindset of like, oh, well, we got to trade this for that. No, you should just get security. You should have security in your country. The executive branch, the government as a whole should be able to provide that without taking away your freedom. Okay. The... This this deal they're trying to sell you and have been trying to sell us since 9-11, if not before, is one that is wholly based on a premise that does not exist. It's a premise they made up. They made up this premise that you need to trade your security for freedom. And that's not the way our, our founders saw it. That is not the way our founders saw it at all. So I think that, you know, on a whole bunch of fronts, I keep asking myself this question, what would our founders do? I do not believe our founders would ever authorize mass surveillance like this that grabs the communications of American citizens. So it says here, and this is important for people to understand, that um, you know Mike Johnson is actually a big reason this is happening. The new Speaker of the House is part of funding the military through the NDAA. And so Johnson wants to extend the 702 program, but it's becoming increasingly clear that the speaker is going to face significant backlash from rank and file members of his own party, as well as more powerful figures such as Jim Jordan and Matt Gates, one of a handful of lawmakers to whom Johnson effectively owes his new position. So I think that should tell you all something. We have 
extraordinary power to stop this. Okay. Um, the Matt Gates is Jim Jordan's of the world, very responsive to the way the public is feeling. So I think that if you care about this, you care about your freedoms, you care about not having American citizens spied on, no matter what party they're from, this just should not be happening. If you are ideologically at that same place, go ahead and call your member of Congress, especially if they're Republican, okay, because they're the only ones that you know, you could even count on possibly having a backbone. And call them, email, ask them to oppose this. Say that you are not in favor of reauthorizing this ability to spy on Americans through the 702 reauthorization. Um, I think that, that it's a small thing, but you would you would be surprised to see the effect it has if you just if everybody posts on social media about this, everybody makes a phone call or sends an email, it does have an effect. Okay. Things get shut down all the time. Just look here in Tennessee. In Tennessee, there were proposed red flag laws after the horrific shooting that happened here from the trans shooter. And we were able to stop those that red flag operation to try to lessen the gun rights of Tennesseans. We were able to stop that just purely by having the grassroots reach out. Okay, so the power is in our hands. We are very able to to stop this reauthorization. We just need citizen action on it. Um, diving in here to some, I was going to get into the school choice stuff, but we'll get into that in a minute because, oh, we have, we have it. Okay. So we've got a representative from AFP. We're going to go ahead and bring them on now to talk about this big news in Tennessee with school choice. There's something happening all over the country You can go ahead and bring them on. Um, this is happening all over the country. Truly an incredible, I would say, generational civil rights movement to fix education in America because we've got a big problem. You look at China, you look all over the world, we are not competing in education the way that we should be. And so I've been proud to partner with AFP Tennessee to stop you know, the way this current structure works and to expand school choice across the state because I feel like you know, we can be an example for the country and AFP on a state level is working very hard in a number of states to bring school choice to be a reality. I think we've got them on the line, right? All right. So um, go ahead and uh, tell everybody a little bit about AFP Tennessee and what y'all are working on and the big news you guys have today. What's going on, Robbie? Glad to be on again. Uh, this is Mike Lotby, Deputy Director for Americans for Prosperity out of Tennessee. And uh, we literally just walked out of the room with the governor for his big statewide announcement on um, school choice, universal education savings accounts for everyone across the state of Tennessee. Uh, it's going to be huge. It was a really inspiring event. Uh, we were very excited to see our lieutenant governor and speaker of the house there signaling their support for the legislation as well. Um, I feel very, very confident that we have a really great shot at getting this done in Tennessee this year. Um, you know, we've we've seen it fail uh, in Texas actually just recently last week, maybe a week and a half ago. It failed in Texas uh, because some Republicans turned their back on parents and students and teachers and decided to side with uh, the liberal unions there instead. Well, I'm glad I'm glad uh, you brought I that up here in Tennessee. I'm glad you brought that up about Texas because I've got some stuff in front of me. I came prepared today. So 18 of the 21 Texas House, quote, <laughs> Republicans who voted against school choice were all endorsed by the teachers union and 
88% of Texas Republican primary vo voters support school choice. Now, what I think is interesting is a message is being sent in Texas that I think will reverberate across other red states. And that is that Governor Abbott has now chosen to endorse 58 House Republicans who all support school choice. Okay. Now, another Texas rep, Kyle Castle, who's a Republican, quote unquote, now says that he is no longer seeking re-election after announcing his re-election in September. And this is after the governor has now supported school choice only candidates and uh, Rep. Castle actually opposed school choice. And then Greg Abbott, I noticed in his tweets about endorsements when he says he's endorsing candidates, he endorsed six Texas Senate Republicans recently for re-election 2024. He noted in his endorsement that all of them would help deliver school choice for every family. So a message is being sent. Yeah. And I think that that's something that, you know, legislators who are hearing from teachers unions, they need to be very cognizant of because voters are not going to be forgiving of this. 88% of primary voters in Texas support school choice that are Republican. And in Tennessee, I guarantee you that number is about the same, if not better. School choice is wildly popular. When I've gone door to door, I have people from every party background, independents, Democrats, Republicans. It is overall just one of those issues that is extremely popular with people. Now, among parties is a different question. Republicans are the reason school choice is happening across the country by and large. But they're also who stopped it in Texas because everybody knew the Democrats in Texas were going to vote against it. You needed all the Republicans on board to it. In Tennessee, tell us, how is that going to impact the reality of school choice? You know, it's really remarkable because in some states, we've actually seen that school choice is a, is a bipartisan thing, and it absolutely should be. Um, you know, what's really pitiful here in Tennessee is, is that we had a, a, an amazing Democrat. His name was John DeBerry. He was the state house rep, had been here for years and years and years, uh, represented a, a very uh, racially diverse district in, uh, in Shelby County, which is Memphis, for those of you who don't know. And he supported, he was one of the most vocal supporters of school choice, our, our pilot program that we were able to pass a couple of years ago. And the Democrat Party kicked him out. Wow. They kicked him off the ballot yep. because he did not support their party platform of opposing school choice because he knew it was the right thing for his constituents. He knew it was the right thing for, for these children in Memphis who are stuck, stuck in these horrific failing public schools. Meanwhile... School choice is a part of the Republican platform, and we see, oh, well, you know, these Republicans just get to seemingly side with these uh, liberal teachers unions with no repercussions whatsoever. Well, Abbott put a stop to that in Texas. Like you said, the day that they were not able to successfully get that bill out of the legislature, Abbott came out. It was either the same day or the next day for sure. He came out with a list of endorsements and not a single one. Who, and he did it on purpose. He did it to send a message. If you oppose school choice, I will not back you. I will put every single resources I can to throw you out. As you said, one of the reps already decided that he wasn't going to run for re-election because he had an opponent already that was a pro-school choice opponent, and he knew he wouldn't be able to beat him. So yep. he gave and that's up. a seven-term. That's so, a seven-term guy who did that. He he had been there seven terms. Yeah. So that's not. This and is I a think political life. You know, I, I, right? Absolutely. I, I can't speak for our governor, and I wouldn't dare to. 
Um, but I do know that there's a big reason why we're pushing so hard for our school choice this year, and that is because it's an election year, and Republicans yeah. should do the right thing, and they're, you know, they should let their voters know where they stand on this issue. And I think when the dust settles at the end of March, you know, we'll either have school choice in Tennessee for every uh, family, or we won't, and and voters will know how their representatives voted. And we'll have some exciting primaries if that's the case, if they decide not to go forward with this, you know. And it's not just the governor who well, wields that power. Well, it seems like that's power. what they're having in Texas. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it it's not like just the governor. The way it's going to happen in Texas. You're going to have a number yeah, of other groups, absolutely. PACs and things like that, um, you know, making making it a point to make sure that the right people are elected, that are going to do the will of the people, because very clearly people want this done. I mean, um, one thing I, I, I would like to say I was shocked by, but I really wasn't shocked by, is that they had this lovely woman come out and tell the story of how school choice has been a massive success for her son. I've got a photo of them up just beautiful family and it's heartwarming to see these stories of how school choice has changed people's lives and you know it doesn't just change their life it changes our country's trajectory because if we can increase um you know the the education that each child is getting to a place where we are on par to fight on the world stage in the future and be able to outshine some of our enemies on a world stage where they're doing better in education if we're just being honest right now if we can do that i mean this is a great success for everybody so this child success story is our success story really and that was met with protesters who i've also got a photo of on screen who had the audacity to protest this mother and child telling their story of how the pilot program here in tennessee which was for a smaller you know number of people to be able to try school choice and see how it affected them so their story of success was protested by these far left activists over here what was that like? Because you were there. I mean, is it shocking to you at, at all that they're willing to protest a mother like that? It was disgusting. I mean, I mean, I just I really can't think of another word for it. Now, now I will I will give credit to a, a couple of our prognosticators that we typically have in in you know Tennessee politics. We've got a, a, a rep who's made himself semi-famous. Yeah. Uh, at least he likes to think so over you know protesting guns and stuff. And he was there. And, you know, they, they were respectful, you know, they didn't say anything, which I was kind of shocked by and I really appreciated. But there were these other protesters who were waving these signs in front of news cameras while this mother was up here sharing her story of how, like, school choice has literally changed her child's life. I mean, it was such an inspiring story. They got a round of applause, a standing ovation, and these people have the audacity to tell this woman, no, your child should be stuck in a failing public school you don't deserve the opportunity that other people have. And it was just absolutely disgusting. It was totally shameless. And of course, you can't really see it that well in your picture, but I would say about 80% of the protesters were covering their faces with masks. Because oh, I don't shocking. think they want to be seen. I think they want to make a bunch of noise. But I think in reality, they—I think they're in reality, they're actually ashamed of what they're doing. Because if they weren't, they would show their face to the world. They should be. They should be ashamed of what they're doing. I mean, the, the protesting is one thing. You know, protest is a great, you know, sort of American tradition of people being opposed to something. Go ahead, use your voice. There's also something called taste and class, and that has none of it. You know, I saw this morning uh, there were protesters outside of you know president carter's wife's funeral and you know these far left protesters are out there protesting literally at a funeral and it's just like have some tact you know i'm no fan of president carter but his poor wife just passed away you know these are yeah. people who were part of american history 
have some respect. And it's not that hard to just have some respect and let people be able to have their voice or, you know, let people mourn, whatever it may be. There's certain times where I think people could be a little more respectful. And this is one of them where I just think it's atrocious it to, to do. It would help their cause, too. It would. It would. It would absolutely. It would, that's that's yeah. the most confusing part. It's like these people who shut down bridges. You know, I saw this thing recently from San right. Francisco where they shut down the entire bridge that is the main transit point for people to be able to get to work in the morning. And I'm like, who do you really think that you're convincing to get on your side by ruining their day, potentially getting them fired, potentially stopping them from being able to get medical care, maybe being able to go to dialysis or to chemo or whatever it is. I mean, I don't know who you think you're winning over, but normal people talk about this as if it's absurd, no matter what your cause is. It makes us hate you. <laughs> and I think that people could be a little more tactful, no matter what side you're on, with how these types of things are handled. But um, was it exciting, you know, to, to have it get to this moment where you've got the governor's support I've got up on here on screen? the endorsement of House Speaker Cameron Sexton as well, getting behind school choice statewide for, for Tennessee. You know, AFP on a state level here in Tennessee has worked very hard to get to this point. Is it exciting for you guys to see that so many people from different parts of the party and the state are coming together? Because here's another thing too. You know, a year ago, if you had said, oh, Robbie Starbucks supporting this, Governor Lee supporting this, and, you know, all these different people with different sides of things, they'd say, oh, that's that seems kind of odd. I mean, they're, you know, on different issues, maybe not in the same place. I am full-throatedly in support of everything that they're doing for school choice. I don't care if you're a little more centrist. I don't care if you're further to, you know, the more conservative side, whatever it may be. We are united on making the state a great place for kids, you know, and I think that's something that makes AFP Tennessee special and this issue special is it really highlights that the same way that some other fights, you know, we've gone through as a state over the past few years to make the state a better place for kids has. Um, so you tell us, what was it like in the room? It, it was just truly inspiring. It was really exciting uh, to, to hear that the governor was, you know, being so serious about it. He's made it his top priority. It seems like both um, the Speaker of the House and the Lieutenant Governor who presides over the state Senate in our state, we call him the Lieutenant Governor here, um, has, is also, you know, it seems like they're both ready to go, ready to get it done. There are some details that still need to be hammered out. But, I mean, I think today was a great show of a good faith effort that, like, we're all ready to go. We're all ready to get this done for parents and teachers and students across the state um you know i i do want to caution though you know it's still going to be a fight just like yep. we saw in texas just because we're this red state and it's a part of our party platform that we believe in school choice and we believe parents should be the you know the ones in control of their destiny and their children's destiny and should be able to control their tax dollars and decide where they want to send their kids like you know we, we saw it fail in texas and so it is going to be a fight here, and that's why we need you all to get involved. And now we have some more details on exactly what it is that you're going to be fighting for. That The numbers come out, and it's $7,075 per year per student. So if you're a family of, of four and you've got two kids, that is uh, $14,000 plus per year for you to send your kids to wherever you think they should go to school, whether you want them to go to a private school, religious school, Catholic school, uh, if you want them to be a part of a homeschool co-op, um, you know, whatever it is you may think that is best for your children, you are going to have 
those kinds of resources at your disposal, you're going to take back control over your tax dollars and decide how you want to educate your children with those dollars. So there is a ton of money on the line. Yeah, that's here, real money for families uh, that, to, you know, to be able to real know, money. do the I mean, best heck, thing for It's kids. real money for me. It's real money for all of us. Yep. Um, we've got a number on screen. People can text. Um, I believe uh, we're pulling that banner up now. You can go ahead and text that phone number up there. And it's got a little a little code. Um, I believe it's uh, what's the code, Lindsay? It's a phone number, TN School Choice to that phone number. Um, and you can get involved with what AFP Tennessee is doing. And they're also doing this on a national scale in many different states as well. So thank you for joining us. We'll bring you back. This is an important issue. We're going to track it until its completion. And I'll be doing everything I can to make sure this becomes a reality. And if anybody gets in the way of it, we will definitely be a thorn in their side. So uh, thank you so much. And uh, jump into another issue here we've got. I want to play you guys a video. This is Joe Biden. Um, this is Joe Biden's claim about the economy. And I want to get the temperature of the room. So remember, again, you can call in if you want to tell me your story. I know some people are a little more shy about sharing economic stories. Um, but I want to play this because this is so out of alignment with reality. But this is what Joe Biden just said over the Thanksgiving break. And wages for working families have gone up while inflation has come down 65 percent. I'm going to play that again. Wages for working families have gone up. Wages for working families have gone up. Inflation has come down 65 percent. While inflation has come down 65 percent. So has that been your experience? I asked that question on X. And these are some of the many, many posts that I got back in return. No, I paid $21 for a five pound roasted chicken. They are gaslighting us. My wages went up 0%, but my rental house insurance went up 45.7% since November 2021. Everything is twice as expensive where I live. My rent just went up $200, and I'm making 75% of what I was making in 2019. I have racked up 7,000 in credit card debt after having zero in 2019. Biden destroyed the economy with his endless handouts. My raise was 69 cents per hour this year, but my expenses are over $100 more per week than three years ago. Two meals at McDonald's just cost us $29 in Texas. H, no. My wages have gone up less than 2%, and I'm paying 25% more for everything, maybe higher for groceries. I received a 3% annual pay raise in March. Meanwhile, my rent increased by 9%. My grocery bill is higher than it's ever been. Utilities have increased. Car insurance has increased. Even with my clean driving record, I wish I lived in the magic land with these numbers. My wages have gone up because I had to get a second job working 56 to 60 hours a week in order to keep my house. It's insane. The worst economy I've seen in my 46 years. A bag of Fritos now costs six bucks, used to be $2.99. Side note, who buys Fritos? I don't understand. These are the worst chips ever. I don't care if Fritos offered us money to say they're great. They're not. Fritos are awful. Who would pay $7, $7 or $6 now for a bag of Fritos? Really? Who's paying $6 for Fritos? If anybody can explain that to me, I would like to hear your explanation. Another person said, nope, first Christmas at Christmas in 20 years that we can't afford presents. And sadly, by the way, 
this is a comment I saw many times. I, in fact, had some in my DMs because they didn't want to say it publicly on their account. They didn't want anybody, you know, um, that they knew to see it. But they're in that much trouble economically where they cannot afford presents this Christmas um, in their family. I just paid $62.29 for three cases of water, a moderate-sized package of toilet paper, and a loaf of bread. I am in shock. I don't know how anyone that pays rent is able to afford anything. Luckily, I'm blessed to own a trailer. I'd be working three jobs to survive. Absolutely insane. I'm making 20 an hour, and it still seems almost impossible to save up anything. It isn't easy. I'm having to take a lot of money out of my IRA to just stay afloat. Those are the types of stories. And like I told you, I just screenshotted, you know, maybe, what was that, a dozen of them? You go look on my X account, and you can see in that post hundreds of responses from people. Um, the economic state our country is in is challenging enough okay this is bad it's bad for families families are struggling and then you've got the president of the united states going on tv over a thanksgiving break where people are struggling to make ends meet and to stand there and lie to the american people and tell them actually wages are going up and inflation's down 65 percent it's a slap in the face to everybody paying attention to reality, okay? We have to go to the stores. We have to go to the store, we have to pay, we have to go to the gas pump, we have to pay. People pay their bills. You can't deny the reality of what we're experiencing, okay? My wife and I are lucky to be in a, in a good place and everything, but I have many friends who are not. And even us in a good place, I sit there at the grocery store or looking at the bills and I'm like, this is crazy. This, it, it is at a point where I sit there and go, I don't know how most people are surviving right now. And I really don't because the costs are so far out of control. So when I saw that video from Joe Biden, I was incensed by it. Um, you know, that that brings us to our next topic, okay? Um, that's We're gonna make a hard jump from that to this. And it's the pedophiles in the media, okay? This is something that, you know, we've unfortunately seen a lot of recently is members of the media who are child predators. We've got another one, a few actually today, former editor-in-chief of political news site The Recount, arrested for child pornography, also known as CSAM. The Recount is a far-left site. His name is Slade Somer, the now former editor-in-chief of the left-leaning publication, The Recount, was arrested on Friday on charges of possessing more than 1,300 images of children being sexually abused, including images of toddlers, according to court documents. Somer was released on a $100,000 bail on Monday after being charged with two counts of possession and two counts of dissemination of child pornography. Um, this is what he looks like. I want everybody to see that face because child predators need to be held accountable. The fact that he got bail is unforgivable. Unforgivable in our country that you can get bail with the horrific stuff that was found on his devices. You should never see the light of day again, in my opinion. I am pushing very hard here in Tennessee to have the death penalty for child rapists and pedophiles because, frankly, you look at the recidivism, you cannot fix 99.9, I believe 100%, but, you know, if you go by the statistics, you can't fix almost any of them. I would say you can't fix any of them. 
okay? I think that if you have this predatory mindset, if you are willing to abuse the most vulnerable among us in the most sadistic of ways, you do not belong on earth. At the very least, you do not belong in the light of day, okay? This man was able to get bail. I don't, I, I don't even want to call him a man. He is not a man. No man does this to a child. No man does this to a minor. You know, and this is something that unfortunately in a society that has gotten more perverted and sexed up has started to, you know, really open up a window where these people have some sympathy thrown their way. There should be no sympathy. These people are predators. They are monsters. And the left's permissiveness through wokeness of things like the trans agenda. You know, when you think about the mindset of the trans agenda, it's that, you know, you can be whatever you want. You can be whatever, you know, sex you want, be whatever gender you want. Well, why can't you be whatever age you want? Why can't this guy say that he identifies as a seven-year-old and get out of all this? I want you to really think about that because that might sound crazy at first, but if you think about the operative structure of any legislation that would protect the trans agenda, it may very well protect that same thing of saying, you know what, I identify as this other age. These predators are very dangerous, and, and I want you to keep in mind, these are the people who actively try to debunk that there is a problem with child trafficking and sexual exploitation in America. These journalists with large view counts, you know, in the last 12 months alone, this was noted on Zero Hedge, in the last 12 months alone, Two senior producers for ABC and CNN were sentenced to prison for child porn. I prefer to use the term CSAM because it, it, this isn't porn. Porn infers the idea that the people involved were consenting to it. A child cannot consent to any of this. This is child sexual abuse material. They're being sexually abused on camera by a sadistic monster. I'm trying to use words I can say, you know, without getting angry. I'm very, this topic really upsets me. On Monday, this guy Slade Somer, the former managing editor of CNN's now defunct BME video sharing app, and until a month ago, editor-in-chief of the left-leaning video-driven news site, The Recount, was freed on $100,000 bail after he was charged in Massachusetts court with disseminating and possessing these horrific videos of children being raped, including toddlers. Descriptions of the material in question are indeed horrific, and prosecutors have hinted that Somer may have been involved in the production of some videos, as well as, as well as the abuse of some children. Court documents cited by the Berkshire Eagle earlier this week allege that Somer's phone contained disturbing video clips showing boys believed to be as young as three years of age being raped and forced to perform sex acts by adults. It's called rape. Assistant District Attorney Marianne Shelby said this is one of the most egregious cases of its kind that she has come across. Again, that reminder going back, two senior producers for ABC and CNN, far left, were sentenced to prison for this type of child sexual exploitation material. Somer's career is replete with yellow journalism and attacks on conservatives. The recounts bread and butter content for at least a couple years included a steady stream of hatchet job videos targeting, quote, conspiracy theorists, primarily people who stood against COVID mandates and forced vaccinations. So yes, one of those people involved in exploiting children in a sexual way 
Is anybody surprised by this? You shouldn't be if you're paying attention. In fact, not only not only that, but this guy, he was praised by John Podesta as recently as 2017. Okay? That also should not be a surprise to you. The arrest of the former editor comes not, not long after the arrest of CNN producer John Griffin for child sexual abuse, as well as the arrest of ABC producer James Gordon Meek on child pornography charges. Some critics argue the growing list of leftist journalists caught in child pornography scandals helps to explain some of the strange behavior of media outlets where child abuse networking is concerned. Their extreme hostility to stories around these subjects and the film Cuties and uh, de in defense of the film Cuties and the film The Sound of Freedom makes more sense if there's a trend of pedophilia hidden within media circles. And again, was once praised by John Podesta. Okay, this guy, again, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. You know how we have very consistently gone against people like this who have wanted to sexualize children because they're doing it in classrooms well guess who did it in a classroom sexualizing kids ideologically somer did before he was arrested he made waves in 2018 when he addressed a class of fourth graders taught by his mother where he discussed his homosexuality with the children buzzfeed covered and applauded the story in an article ironically titled people are touched by this writer's conversation with a bunch of fourth graders they better hope no one was touched. But that piece has now been removed from BuzzFeed's website. Again, delete the evidence. Delete the evidence of the pedophile going and sexualizing children because we can't have people seeing that our entire narrative is a lie on the left. Because that's what it is. The left has built a lie. And they wanted to delete all evidence of the perpetrators of these crimes that are among them. Okay, this man worked in a camp with children, had access to children that his mother taught, and he actively talked to them about his sexual preferences. We have warned time and time again that that is grooming and that it is something that pedophiles do. And guess what? This guy, this quote journalist, respected on the left, was a pedophile, in fact. Okay, this should not shock you. This should not shock you. He spent 10 years co-running a place called Camp Power. He admitted this in a podcast and was involved as a camp counselor through his college years, working with children from grades 5 to 11. He states that the event was the best week of his year every year. It's disgusting. I, I think everybody can see through this. He noted that he, quote, always drives the van for kids on such trips. Parents need to start asking questions. Your kid was involved with, with a camp like that. You need to start asking questions. You need to start protecting your kids. These ideologies very clearly are sick and demented and being protected by an entire political party. Oh, here's another one. From today, a renowned non-binary, quote, queer artist and former vice contributor look at that, another left-wing news outlet, has been sentenced to 90 months in federal prison after arranging to rape a nine-year-old boy. The Department of Justice referred to Ephraim Zeleny Mindel using they-them pronouns in court. Is that a surprise to anybody? Take a good look at these faces. Okay? These people should be given no safe space in our country. 
to operate. They should not be around children. They should not be able to teach children. They should not be able to be in camp with children. Nothing. Okay? He began communicating, this guy, reporting by Redux. Redux fantastic reporting this stuff. This predator began communicating with an undercover FBI agent. I'm glad to see the FBI is doing something for a change. In early 2022, after meeting him on Scruff, a hookup app for homosexual men. During these conversations, Zelani Mandel slowly began to introduce more extreme topics and questioned the agent if he was into taboo. Soon after, Zelani Mandel asked the agent if they had a Telegram account, where the two then began corresponding. He expressed an interest in young incest and repeatedly stated his desire to sexually abuse children. He later went on to try to organize the rape of a nine-year-old. Here's the first guy I talked about earlier, arrested this week. Remember these faces. Remember these faces. These are the left-wing people in journalism, in positions of power, who try to tell you what the facts are, try to pretend that the sexualization of children is not happening, that it's totally healthy and normal to talk to kids about your sexual preferences as an adult, and it's totally normal to go and push these concepts on children as young as preschool. This is who they are. Okay, and are there are there some among them who are just useful idiots? I'm sure there are, but there's plenty of pedophiles among them as well. And to be cognizant of that is important, and to be ignorant of that is me meaning you're doing a disservice to to your children, to your country, to the people around you. Maybe you don't have kids or something, and you just don't care. But it is very serious, and this problem has got to be called out. In left-wing journalism, they're not calling it out, and it needs desperately to be called out. I will give you guys a, a piece of good news. Um, you know what? Before we get to the good news, we're gonna. There's a little more bad news. Okay. Um, this is something that needs to be talked about. Um, seeing in light of the media going after Elon Musk so voraciously i mean these jackals have gone after elon musk like nothing honestly they may be going after him even harder than they went after president trump and i think that's because elon he commands an influence over types of people who go broader than the than the trump magosphere okay elon touches into intellectual spheres and into technology spheres that the left has counted on Republicans not being able to penetrate with the America First ideology. We didn't just penetrate it. We were able to uh, heavily influence the most influential person on that side of things and get him to a point where he's speaking out on all these issues. And so they've gone after him like crazy. And it's interesting to see the energy they've put into going after him for just, just telling the truth. Just telling the truth. I mean, as simple as that. And creating every sort of catastrophic narrative they can about him and how X is failing, even though it's just absolutely exploding. But then stories like this, I've only seen the Wall Street Journal go after. 
Instagram's algorithm delivers toxic video mix to adults who follow children. So let me tell you something about Instagram. This is the dirty secret of Instagram. Right now, there are, as we speak, countless accounts of little kids, gymnastics and all types of stuff that you just, you wouldn't believe. A lot of it being operated from foreign entities in Eastern Europe or in other countries. And they put up this horrifically sexualized content of little kids, okay? The vast majority of the people following them are men. Sadly, men in the West, okay? Wall Street Journal dug into this and found that these, uh, if you were one of these predators and you followed children, Instagram was actually recommending more content to you to help you continue to stay on the app. They'd give you more sexual content and they'd give you more content of kids in a nature where you would sexualize them. They also put that with major ads. Companies whose ads appeared beside inappropriate content in the journal's tests include Disney, Walmart, Walmart, Match Group, which is like Match.com and their dating companies, Hims, which sells erectile dysfunction drugs, and the Wall Street Journal itself. Most brand name retailers required that their advertising not run next to sexual or explicit content, yet it did. You can see right here, you know, they've, they've got young woman wearing lingerie and furry tail, posing with fake blood dripping from mouth. Child in bathing suit records herself posting in mirror. And right next to it, they've got Disney ad promoting Disney's Coco-themed Plaza de Familia. Okay. Um, this is Instagram. Okay. This is not just Instagram. This is Meta as a company. They have ignored child safety for such a long time. And I think a lot of people are ignorant to it. Um, you know, my wife running Freedom Forever, which is a nonprofit that actively fights child exploitation, a nonprofit that's really set aside because, you know, my wife doesn't take a salary from it. You know, no board member takes a salary from it. Um, everybody who is doing this is it's volunteer run and operated. And they're doing it to go after the predators in society and in a government and in, in big tech and everywhere you can imagine. I mean, they're, they're investigating up and down everywhere they can to root out these predators. Instagram has come up so many times. It's, it's disgusting. Make your head spin. Um, predators are actively using it to go after children. And unfortunately, there are willing adults with access to children to help those predators abuse those kids. Instagram and Meta have a choice. They can put a stop to this. They can add age restrictions. They can eliminate this content. They can kill this in the algorithm. They can share the IP addresses of the adult men who have been making visits to all of these types of pages with law enforcement to investigate it. They can be doing so many things. They're failing on every front because the almighty success of their com company the almighty success of their company and the dollar matters more to them than the lives of these kids. The question you have to ask is, does it matter enough to you to say something? If it does, then please say something. At Instagram, at Mark Zuckerberg, at all these people involved with the company, on whatever platform it is you use on social media, especially if it's Instagram or Facebook, demand that they take action to stop this predatory predatory behavior. I mean, it's this is the criminal exploitation of children. Instagram has a lot of money, a lot of power to stop it. Okay. 
we need to use our voices to actively do what we can to push them in the right direction because this has to stop. It has to stop at some point. And it's, it's up to us as people, if we don't do our part, can we really live with ourselves that, that we allowed this to happen under our nose and we didn't say or do anything about it to stop it? Like, if you didn't know this was going on, now you know. As a parent, as a grandparent, whatever you are, I mean, do or say something. Do or say something. It's not, it's not difficult to use your voice. It should certainly never be controversial to use your voice on an issue like this. So I think the media at large that has spent so much time going after Elon Musk, you guys could spend a little more time going after predators online, a little more time seeking out these pedophile networks and helping break them. And maybe a little less time propagandizing about how much you hate Elon Musk. Okay, because people are sick of it, frankly. One week you say he's an anti-Semite, the next week he's in Israel alongside the Prime Minister of Israel giving a voice to the Jewish people. Okay, one minute you say he's this, the next minute he's that. I mean, you guys can't keep your stories straight. You say he's a bigot, and the man has done so much for people of every race, it's ludicrous. You guys say he's a Russian propagandist. He gives free internet to Ukrainians. Okay, you can't make this stuff up. Okay, the propaganda needs to stop, and people need to start doing the right thing. It should not be hard. Um, you know, as long as we're on this this topic, you know, we just said uh, Russian disinformation, all that, and Putin puppet. I, you know, I'll, I'll get accused of that for playing this video. Um, I've been very clear. I don't, I don't have any like love for Putin at all. But we don't shy away from covering things that are going on. I thought this was very interesting. Um, the Chinese showed a video to Putin where. They had Google's AI, Google's AI, examine images and video from the U.S. moon landing, and Google's AI said it was fake. Let me show you this. But then I have a question. I may actually be correcting them, so maybe you could actually say that um, I'm helping the U.S. here, but watch this. You can see in the subtitles what they're saying, um, but essentially, if you're if you're listening, not watching, in the subtitles, they're saying, you know, that the Google AI said that these images from the moon landing in the U.S. are fake, and that uh, it's not real, entirely fabricated, and Putin says, "Ah, oh, that's interesting, very interesting." Okay. Um, you know, that's not, you can't say this is China's AI or this is Russia's AI and they're just inventing this. This is Google, a company that's based here in America. Um, not that I have any trust for Google because I don't. But I would ask China this because China's the one pushing this narrative. If our moon landing's fake, then why in China's, uh, you know, China's landing um, site photos, why did they have landing site photos of Apollo? Because in China's photos from when they went to the moon and took pictures, they've got uh, places where they circled, you know, Apollo's landing site. So why are they both fake? I mean, I, 
I would, that would be my question to China is if, if our landing's fake, then what are these photos you took that show what purports to be the Apollo landing sites? You know, I mean, I guess it's theoretically possible. We landed there and we just decided not to show video. We faked that and the phone call and all that from the president, you know, I mean, I think with the right evidence, you can convince somebody of that, but I do think, you know, we probably did go there. Um, I, I, I would lean toward, you know, gun to my head. I'd say, yeah, we went to the moon. Um, now, do I think that we got all the video and stuff like that? Eh, not so sure about that. But, you know, um, th that's one of those things that you're probably never going to change people's minds because the government has lied to us so much about so many things. Um, it would take some pretty indisputable evidence um, to convince people otherwise. Um in terms of the the validity of you know us getting all access to the videos and photos from all different space missions um i do think that's another area where elon musk can do the world a bit of service you know um let's get some more transparent photography and video done of our solar system you know it's a long-term project but probably a very good one all right <sighs> Let me let me get a fixed in my seat here because this next one is going to be a doozy. All right. You guys ready for this? This is quite, I want to preface this. This may quite possibly be the dumbest story of all time, but it is so dumb that I have to show you guys. It is so dumb, it's almost unbelievable. I guarantee you it is actually real. I saw it myself, stumbled upon it myself. Watch this, okay? <laughs> New York City law banning discrimination based on height and weight goes into effect. New York City law banning discrimination based on height and weight goes into effect. The city council approved this in May. Mayor Eric Adams signed it into law the same month saying that heavier people should not be treated differently when they're applying for a job. Science has shown, this is the best part. Are you ready for this? The mayor of New York City said, who, by the way, he works out. Let's just preface with that. This guy works out. He's not stupid. He knows what he's saying is a lie. Okay, so Eric Adams, mayor of New York City, says, science has shown that body type is not a connection to if you're healthy or unhealthy. I think that's a misnomer that we're really dispelling. Okay, this is a guy who literally wrote a book, including his weight loss journey. Okay, and getting healthy says that your body type is not a connection to if you're healthy or unhealthy. I hate to break it to you, but it is. Your body type is a connection to that. Obesity does kill people. It's one of the largest killers in the world. Okay, obesity is incredibly dangerous. Now, am I telling you what weight you need to be? No, that's up to you. Your choices are your choices. Just don't pretend that there's no consequence to your choices, okay? Because, you know, one of the ways that they're claiming that this could be discriminatory is that, it, here's, one, here's one example of discrimination somebody has already pointed out. One NYU student says that classroom desks were too small for her. That's discrimination. She couldn't fit in the desk. Like, that's the school's fault. 
So just wait. The cascade of things that will happen as a result of this will be hilarious, okay? Hilarious and sad and crazy all at the same time. Because now, now the schools are going to have to have different size desks, okay, for you to go to your desk sizing, okay? You're going to have to go to a desk sizing where, you know, they make sure that you're getting a desk according to your weight and size. So, I mean, we may have desks. We may have, you know, chairs as wide as this desk at some point at some of these colleges, okay? But here's, here's the reality. They say that the categories for which you cannot discriminate are um, housing, so let's start there. Let's start with housing, okay? Because that's one of the areas they say you cannot discriminate against height and weight, okay? So let's pretend you're 800 pounds, okay? You're 800 pounds. You want to move in to a townhouse, okay? You don't fit in the townhouse's front door. Sounds like discrimination. Discrimination from the builder who did not include people of your size when they built the townhouse. How are they gonna deal with that? H how are the courts going to deal with that with this ridiculous legislation? Because under the color of the law, that could actually be a serious discrimination complaint. Okay, now job. Discrimination on height and weight? Well, hopefully that doesn't apply to runway modeling or the New York Yankees. Because if you know somebody who's, let's say a dwarf, goes and sues the New York Yankees for discrimination because they won't give him a tryout because he's three feet tall. Everybody will see how ridiculous this is. Or maybe a runway model. You know, they do, they have essentially in modeling these, uh, these sizes that are like just general sizes. So they want you to be in this certain size because it's just easier. All of them carry these certain sizes. And if you're not in that size, now that's discrimination. No... Victoria's Secret, they, you, want, you want people of a certain body type? You're basically Nazis under this. I mean, you're, you're a discriminatory bigot. Think about how ludicrous this gets. Okay, and not even going to get into public discrimination. Public discrimination, I am going to go there, okay? Think about how crazy this public discrimination could be, okay? If you own a workout place... Okay, a gym or, you know, CrossFit center, whatever it is. And in your window, you advertise for people to get stronger and slimmer. Somebody who's 600 pounds could walk by and go, I feel I'm being publicly discriminated against. And they could sue you over it. I mean, this, I can't, I can't, I really can't with this story. I mean, it's, it's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. And I know some people who are in this activist camp, they're going to go, you have height and weight privilege. I do. I do. I admittedly have height privilege, okay? Um, being 6'2", I did nothing to earn it. I will say, out of all the privileges, I'm most grateful for my height privilege, if I'm being perfectly honest. I am grateful for it. I mean, there really are advantages that come with height privilege, so I'm not going to deny that there aren't, okay? There's very few privileges that I will admit to. You know, I think all these privileges they make up now, they don't exist. You have American privilege, I have that, um, and I have height privilege. Tall men do, they are treated differently. And I have friends who are on the shorter side who have been treated very poorly in some ways by certain, um, you know, potential dating prospects. My question is under this discrimination law, are you gonna have people suing over that? 
over like, hey, I was rejected because on the dating profile, I was publicly discriminated against because a girl said she only dated guys over six foot. You know, again, as much as you may think somebody is, you know, um, like superficial for wanting that, that's their right. I mean, like, you can't force somebody to like something they don't like. I think even some of my uh, some of my short kings out there will agree with that, you know, because there's some women who like guys on the shorter side too. Um, you know, I just think again, this opens up so many windows to ridiculous claims. This is exactly the type of thing. It's like the perfect microcosm of why Democrats suck at everything. Okay. You've got so many problems in New York City, so many. I mean, a wild amount of problems. And they're working on this. Let's make sure that people who are obese or short can sue people for what they feel is some sort of public discrimination or housing discrimination or job discrimination. And, and there's all of these holes they don't think about that are like, hey, these are very common sense ways where somebody could actually have a preference or an issue or a reason why they couldn't give a house to somebody who's obese or a reason why they wouldn't be able to hire somebody who's obese. You know, somebody who's 800 pounds might not be a good fit for the Victoria's Secret modeling uh, contract. I think that they just lose their heads about common sense a lot of times and they focus on all the wrong things. You know, like nobody cares about this, to be perfectly honest, outside of a few crazed activists. But those few crazed activists are relentless and the Democrats are like, oh, well, you know, these people who are highly emotional came and cried to us about it. Well, get over it. You know, people are going to cry at you about stupid things sometimes. You need to focus on the things that actually matter. There are families who cannot feed their children right now in America. Let's fix that. You know, we're sending over more money to foreign countries to help them protect their borders and fight other countries than we are protecting our own people, okay, down at our border. That needs to change. That's the problem you need to tackle. New York City, you've got migrants who are causing the city to cut back on the budget for police. That matters to New Yorkers, okay? This is the stuff they ignore. Democrats ignore all that. They focus on ridiculous things like this. Um, I just can't with these people, honestly. It's just sometimes they just make my... Here's another example of that. Um, in fact, you know what? We're going to do a little cleanse here. Okay, I think I get very worked up about some of these. Here's happy, happy image. Okay, this is something I took over break. These are two of our dogs. That is uh, our little sweeties there. And yes, we have our stockings up already and everything. It's a little cleanse. All right, everybody feeling better? Okay, back to the craziness. Um, Kamala Harris, if you were not paying attention over Thanksgiving, she posted this photo. Normally would be sort of an innocuous photo that just, you know, not a big deal, right? But people notice this back there. You know what that is? No, not, not, the, not the tea kettle. The gas stove. She has, a, she has a gas stove, the audacity to put that out there after the Biden administration announced a crackdown on gas stoves is really something. But the truth is, you know, my wife said something to me that I think is a, it's a perfect explanation of these people. They don't care about hypocrisy. The point of this is throwing it in your face. The point of this is being able to take a photo in their multi-million dollar kitchen with the gas stove in the photo and flipping the bird to you. I think that's actually the point here. 
you know and and look at look at the grins i mean they're just they're so happy about their gas stove next time you're thinking about getting a stove just think about the smile that kamala harris and her husband have <laughs> and you'll know everybody is enjoying their gas stoves okay um even the people who want to take them away actually probably especially those people um, another piece of news happened over the break was Derek Chavon, uh, the police officer from the George Floyd case, has been stabbed in federal prison. Another thing, my wife is full of wisdom this weekend um, and this week. She said to me immediately, this would have never happened if he claimed to be trans. And it's true. That's what's crazy is it's true. I wish that was just some nutty, like funny comment, but it's actually true. If the guy had claimed to be a woman, he'd be in a women's prison right now with a wig on probably. And he would not have to worry about being stabbed because he's much stronger than all the women in the prison. Um, and, you know, he'd be in a much safer environment. And that's crazy, but totally true about American justice today is men like this um, would be much safer in a woman's prison by claiming they're trans. And, you know, that that presents two problems. Number one, it shouldn't be possible for a man to pretend and then end up in a women's prison. But number two, the fact that people have so little faith in our justice system to do the right thing ever, whether it be by keeping somebody like this safe in prison, because obviously, you know, who wasn't sentenced to death should not die in prison, or the fact that the American justice system sent him to prison in the first place, when there's ample evidence that his case was mishandled, that the jury was mishandled, that all types of things were mishandled, that the FBI actually went and got the medical examiner's report changed. That's something that a lot of people do not know, okay? This is just sort of a breaking recent thing. There is evidence that suggests the FBI visited the medical examiner and that the final report differs from the report as it stood before the FBI visit, okay? All of those things should make people very uncomfortable. If you've followed any of the things along this case, you know that there are, look, and I'm not saying the guy's perfect, okay? I think that he handled the situation actually poorly, um, but I don't think that he, you know, was actively trying to murder George Floyd or anything like that. And I think that George Floyd also did some things that resulted in his death. You know, and that's clear from the medical examiner report. Had he not been on fentanyl or doing the things he had done, um, he would not have been in the state that he was physically where that could have happened as an end result. And so, you know... Um, just overall, just a horrible, it's a horrible case. Um, Disney's Wish, that's their new movie, brought in a massive whopping $8.3 on Wednesday. This is a movie with a $200 million budget. So Disney spent $200 million on this movie, Wish, brought in $8.3 million on Wednesday, is expected to hit $37 million for an entire five-day period, which, by the way, is a very important period of time. You make a bulk of your money... Um, during that time period, that's like you really need to hit big over those first, you know, two weeks, really. Um, and in the first five days, if you don't do well, you're not traditionally expected to do well the next, you know, week after that. Um, another movie that that crashed and burned was Apple Originals Napoleon, which also cost a stunning two hundred million to produce, and earned only seven point seven million on Wednesday, and is expected to generate only thirty million over that five day period. Again crash and burn 
The Disney one makes the most sense to me. Um, the other one makes sense because people are just sick of Hollywood, but Disney in general has had stinker after stinker after stinker. And it's because the American public has felt fully betrayed by the Disney brand. They've gone woke and pushed sexuality on our kids. They've tried to push a left-wing agenda on our kids. And people like me who have three kids, my kids don't engage with Disney anything anymore. We don't have Disney Plus. We don't watch Disney movies. We don't buy Disney toys. We don't do Mickey Mouse t-shirts. You know, with our oldest daughter, who's 14, when she was really little, we, we did. We, we engaged with the Disney stuff. As soon as they went woke, we said, we're good. We're done. We don't need Disney. Like, we don't need that stuff. It doesn't really enrich our lives in any way. Um, she liked it when she was little, our oldest. You know, obviously she doesn't now. She's about to be 15. So she doesn't, she's not into Disney or anything like that. Um, but for our youngest, you know, she's still in that age bracket where kids are super into Disney and everything. And we're, we're just, we don't engage. You know, she doesn't care about it. She doesn't ask about it um, because we, we do other things. You know, she's a very active child outside. When she does watch things, you know, there's some great shows from Angel Studios um, that she watches. Um, she likes all that stuff, you know, and, and it's biblically based. It's, it's you know, in alignment with our beliefs. There's stuff out there for people who are not religious, too, um, you know, that is not woke. So people have options, and they're increasingly going to have options. So Disney, in my mind, is on a path to total destruction, honestly. They're having a problem as well with people going to their parks because, again, you betray the American people. If you had said to me 10 years ago, do you want to take your kids to Disneyland this year? I would have said, yeah, my kids love Disneyland. Take them there, okay? We haven't gone to Disneyland in the past, I want to say, it's been a long time, long time, since they went woke, basically. Like, I mean, we cut Dis when we cut something off, we cut it off. You know, it is gone. Um, so I have no desire ever to take my kids to Disney World, Disneyland, any of that stuff. And they don't. They don't ask. They have no desire as well. Because again, it's important to impart your values on your kids. Our values as a husband and wife are our family's values. You know, I would encourage you guys to do a little test in your own family. Ask your kids to name three celebrities, okay? Very easy. Just say name three celebrities, and then say, name your three favorite musicians. Okay, then after that, say, name your three favorite Bible verses. See how easy of a time they have answering that last question. If you're a Christian family in America, ask that question. So go in that, go in that row. Start with, Tell me your three favorite celebrities, or just name three celebrities. Name your three favorite musical artists. Then name your three favorite Bible verses. A lot of people are going to be really surprised by how quickly their kids can answer the first sets of questions and how they struggle on that last one. And that's not a reflection of our kids. That's a reflection of us. It's a reflection of what matters to us, what we are implanting, what we are imparting on our kids. You know, we need to imprint the things that matter. Don't be afraid to talk to your kids about your politics. Don't be afraid to talk to them about why you feel the way you do. Your kids are not stupid. 
And in fact, one of the things that makes the left strong is they don't treat your kid like they are stupid all the time. They tell them, hey, you're ready to unlock this knowledge that maybe your parents are not letting you unlock. You know, they, they entice them with new sort of categories that they can go into and discussions they can go into. The more we are open with our kids about our values, why we have them, why what the left is selling is so poisonous, and go down the line and the litany of the things that really matter. Have a family constitution. Have a list of things that matter to your family. We can be the greatest teachers in our kids' lives, and we should be. You know, we've really got to ask ourselves these questions and do everything we can to produce a generation of warriors. Warriors for truth. Warriors for the right thing. Warriors who are uncompromising in their values and integrity. That's on us. We can raise those warriors up. And that's what I'm committed to doing. You know, so I want to see, try that. Ask your kids those questions and then report back. Let me know what your kids say. How did it go? Don't be afraid to tell the truth. Don't be afraid to say my kids couldn't name the Bible verses. And if they can name them, you're doing a great job, okay? You're doing a great job. If they can name, if they can name them and they struggle with the celebrities and they're like, ah, I, don't, I don't really know celebrities, but they can do the Bible verses, you're doing fantastic. Um, you know, a well-rounded child probably knows all of it though because my kids understand the world. They understand what's out there. We, we don't shield them from the reality of the world. Um, you know, and part of that is, is based on, you know, what I do and what my wife does in activism. But part of it's just rooted in reality and the fact that our kids see and will engage with the world. And as they get older, they're going to have to operate within the world more fully. And if you shield them too much from it, that culture shock can do a lot of really negative things. So we try to impart a broad spectrum of information on our kids and, and truth. Because something I figured out a long time ago is that if we don't imprint our beliefs on our kids, the people who hate us will. Do you understand what I mean? People who hate your values, a lot of them don't have kids. And because they don't have kids, their values are their kids. It's why you see people glue themselves to the road over some weird issue. And you're like, why would somebody care that much about that issue and glue themselves to the road? Well, it's very simple. Most of them don't have children. The issue is their child. So what you are willing to do for your child, they are willing to do for that issue. The left will do for whatever thing they make up that they decide is you know, the, the issue of the day. So we have to love our kids enough to give them the knowledge, give them the tools to protect their minds from these people who will try in predatory ways to get into their brains, okay? And so, you know, you've got to impart the wisdom, but you've also got to impart the truth and you've got to not be afraid to have real conversations with them. You know, for a long time there was a saying, you know, uh, family, we don't, we don't talk about politics, we don't talk about religion at, at Thanksgiving, why not? Why don't you talk to your kids about these issues? Wait, so you don't talk about that with friends. Really? What's the basis of your friendship if you don't agree on basic fundamental moral values? 
If I can't agree with somebody that you shouldn't murder children or you shouldn't sexualize them, I have no interest in a relationship with you as a friend. I think maybe, maybe some people don't know what a friend is. Maybe that's really what's going on. Maybe that's the problem in our whole country. As a lot of people have, have forgotten what real friendship, what real honor looks like, what real values look like. Maybe if the, you know, if you think about, you know, there's stories in the Bible about like whittling down an army to the smallest, most ideological core. And this isn't just a biblical story either. This is actually in multiple religions. They have stories similar to this. You whittle it down to the smallest, most ideological core. You could fight any army with that group with that small group who are ideologically committed to the death, to what they believe in. It's time to raise those people up. That's who I want my kids to be. Sometimes people tell me, I'm afraid to have kids. I don't want to have kids in this crazy world. This world is nuts right now. It's awful. It's terrible in all these ways. I don't want to bring somebody into this world like this. I would challenge them. The world needs kids from people like you who will raise them to be warriors, to be part of that whittled down group of ideological warriors who will die for what they believe in because they will not be changed by anyone who tries to impart evil values upon them. So that's my challenge to people. Raise up the warriors you want to see in the world. Are you disgusted by what you see out there? Are you, you know, sort of sick every time you see the state of humanity or do you find it really disturbing how emasculated men have become raise up the difference makers raise up the warriors be the change if you're not able to if you're not ready to if you're unwilling to you're part of the problem because a whole lot of people silently they sit in their room at night with their spouse or significant other or whatever and they complain about this stuff but they do nothing to change it they have a child and they stick this, an iPad, in front of their face. The iPad raises the child more than you do. That is the problem with our country. Get outside, raise your child. Make them a reflection of what you want to see in the world. Or you might end up with a kid like this. This is a recent TikTok trend. Converting to Islam has become the latest trend on TikTok. Purple-haired influencers, including one who identifies as a leftist queer gremlin, are donning the hijab in the wake of the, the Israel-Hamas war. Watch this video. Here's one of them. Okay, this this be real fun. Reading the Quran, and I am so excited about it. People thought when I first asked that I just wanted to read it out of curiosity, but I want to read it to study it. I started following somebody on social media that teaches the Quran and hosts a Quran book club for Muslims and non Muslims, so I'm really excited to start going to that. She was describing the chapter of the bee, and that just blew my mind. Like the way that she describes things, the way that the Quran describes things actually makes sense to me. And also, did you know that Allah is beyond gender? Did you know that actually scholars believe that there are two? 
two Qurans, the Quran of nature and the Quran, the actual book. And did you know that each chapter is named after a natural phenomenon? I just, I don't know, this whole book is just blowing my mind and I am so excited. I got sticky notes so that I could mark out things that I was, ex that I was drawn to. And uh, I'm not even through the first chapter and <laughs> I already have a bunch of sticky notes. I'm definitely going to have to buy more tabs. I'm honestly having a whole revolution with myself where the way that I describe the universe and the things that I believe in are actually described in the Quran of believing in Allah. And I, I've never thought that I believed in God before. And now I'm really having a revolution of self of, I think I actually believe in God. If you've been curious, I really. That's a real person guys. That's, that's a real human being. Do you think they know that they'd be thrown off a rooftop in like any Middle Eastern Muslim country? Like in two seconds flat, not even like they might do a game beforehand where they toss them around, but they're throwing you off a roof at some point that day. You may be tortured beforehand, I'm not sure, but there is no country in the Middle East, predominantly Muslim-run country, not just in the Middle East, the world, predominantly Muslim-run country that would not kill you for the way that you, you behave in America. So you should be thanking your lucky stars you were born an American because it is the only place you could be as deluded as you are where you think that you're, I don't know what you think you are, pan, pan gender fluid, you guys come up with new names every week. I don't know, you think you're something, okay? You're basically a real world, you know, uh, mix up, of this recent, there's this funny, let me see if I have it. There's this funny uh, press conference happened in Canada. I hope I have a photo of it. I don't, oh my gosh. There's There was this press conference, it was just, it was hilarious where they've got everybody of all these different ideologies on, on this, you know, woke crazy level up there. And uh, this lady, this person, I don't even know anymore. I mean, some of these people are so confusing, I can't even tell what they are. Um, they're so deluded, it's unbelievable. America is the only place, and maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe we should not. Maybe we should not allow people to be that deluded. Um, I think that's part of the problem, actually, is that we've allowed it to get this far. But um, you know, last story. We're kind of up against a, a time a time window here. Um, this was sort of an interesting thing. So you guys know I've gone pretty hard after Target um, for everything that they've done. And Target tried to kind of walk things back after uh, Pride Month and the way they got absolutely hammered. And I just want to remind people, there is no redeeming Target. Okay, so if you thought that boycott was to be short-lived, it is not. This is Target today. They're currently selling a gay nutcracker or a trans nutcracker. Yeah, it's the trans, quote, progress flag nutcracker. What does your sexual preference have to do with the nutcracker or Christmas? Can somebody please explain to me? I don't need a nutcracker or a Santa for my sexual preferences, and neither do you, okay? How about everybody just keep that to yourself and stop pushing it on other people? It used to be called being respectful, actually. You know, like, there was this very basic tenet of respect, and this is not just toward the LGBTQ, this is everybody, okay? This is, this is all of America. Everybody is way too sexed up. Guess what? Sex is normal. Sex is good in, in committed relationships and everything. Like Sex is awesome, okay? But it is not to be discussed all the time. 
with people. It is not to be discussed with, um, you know, just random. I, I see these clips sometimes where they have these reality shows and they're just willy-nilly talking about their sex life with somebody. Have enough respect for the person that you're married to or whatever it may be to keep some things private. Like, I don't think that that used to be a basic tenet of respect that I was raised around was like, you know, that's between you and, and your spouse doesn't need to be shared with the whole world. You don't need an op-ed on it. You don't need to share every detail of it. You certainly don't need a nutcracker or Santa Claus to represent it. Okay. There's another one of the items that Target is selling. Black Santa in a wheelchair. Because we've got to have inclusion, guys. <laughs> this is just the, the latest inclusion. <laughs> Honestly, I can't make it through this one. It's it's honest. It's so ludicrous. You can't believe it's real. I had to go to Target to make sure it was real. It is real. They actually have Black Santa in a wheelchair, which, by the way, like, according to their paradigm of wokeness, isn't it kind of, like, messed up that they did a Black Santa in a wheelchair? Shouldn't Black Santa not be in a wheelchair and White Santa should be in a wheelchair? Or maybe that victimizes the white one too much. I'm not sure. I don't know all the rules, and I don't pretend to. Um, but I do know that this whole thing is crazy town. Okay, that's what I do know, because I'm firmly rooted in reality, and this is nuts. I, I've had enough, frankly, of the crazy, um, and a lot of other people have too. You know, this is looking at Target year to date. They're down big time, okay, and we can take them down a whole lot more, and that's with a small bump they got for the holiday here, and you just watch and see. That small bump they got is going to go away, Okay. Still almost 15% down year to date. As soon as the market overall realizes things are not changing over the holidays, Target is still getting beat down, it's gonna dip even deep. It's gonna dip deeper, in my opinion. Okay. Target, Disney, Bud Light, there is no redeeming these companies. The lesson to be taught to all the other companies is by extinguishing these three brands. Target, Bud Light, and Disney. They've all got to just reach the bottom. That's the way to teach the other companies the lesson, is you've got to have the ones you make examples of. You know, they used to do this in old times. Like, uh, you were a child rapist? Okay. They were going to kill you in the middle of the town and have everybody watch. As a message to anybody else thinking about doing the same thing. Say, if you would like to be the next person executed in the middle of the town, go ahead and try to be a rapist against children. Our town deals with it this way. And shockingly, I think that was probably pretty damn effective. So, you know, I think common sense sometimes, we try to complicate the old ways, and sometimes the old ways worked better than new ways. And of course, there's new ways that are, that are good and advances that you make technologically and things like that that can be very good and better than old ways. But there are some things about the old ways we threw out that I think need to be reignited. And a lot of it is common sense around justice. You know, justice is a concept that's been totally perverted and lost in America, in my opinion. And a lot of it is we are playing with kid gloves versus monsters. There are all these monsters out there willing to hurt children. That could be a place where we could start as a country and say, you know what? We're going to go back to some of the old ways. We're going to make some examples of some people. 
And we're going to make sure every predator in our country is aware that this is not a safe place to do this to children. I think that would be a good place to start. Um, we'll be back soon. I didn't do any ads in today's show because, frankly, um, I didn't feel like it. But we'll <laughs> maybe do some later this week. I was just kind of on a roll with all these issues, and we're out of time. But, um, you know, we should have some exciting news for you all about the show, some more stuff um, over the next few weeks, um, and our documentary, which I have already announced um, only on interview. I haven't tweeted about it or Instagrammed or anything. So I've really only talked to you guys about it in the Tim Pool audience when I went on TimCast, but... The name of it is The War on Children. We worked so hard on it this year. It is going to be the best documentary you've seen, maybe in many years, but definitely this year. It'll be the best documentary you've seen. Um, very excited about it. We'll have a release date hopefully soon and some trailers and clips and stuff like that. But I think people are going to be very, 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 very impacted by it because it, it really... It really delivers the message of what kids face today. And I think that um, we need something to shake us and wake us up as a country. And hopefully the war on children can do it. We'll see you guys soon and uh, more updates soon. Y'all have a good night. Have a good dinner with your family.